Can you guys hear me now? All right. I like anything that's not chocolate. Perfect. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we come before your presence today, God. Just honoring you, Father, Lord, for having each and every one of us here, Lord. God, we come empty, O King of Glory, God, to looking for you to fill us, O King of Glory, God. Jehovah God, we come from different places, Lord, throughout this week, O God. We've spoken to you in our triumph, God. We've spoken to you in our low places, God. We've spoken to you in the midst of everything, O God, and you know what we need, Lord. You know what we are going through, King of Glory. And Jehovah God, you've ordered ourselves here today. So, Father, I'm asking you, Lord, that you may speak to each and every one according to what we want to hear, O King of Glory, God, but not necessarily what we want to hear, Father, but what you want us to hear, O King of Glory, God. I pray that your word will go strong, O King of Glory, God, and just separate the truth from the lies, O God. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I come against the enemy who's going to try to distort or steal this word, O King of Glory, God, but we are praying a covering over it even before it goes forth, O King of Glory, God, that Jehovah God, it will bear fruits, O God, that Jehovah God, you will refine us, O King of Glory, and make us more like you, Jesus. So, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you may speak to us, O God, and completely move me out of the way, O King of Glory, God, so you can speak to your people, O God. Father, they are here. They want to hear from you, God. So, Lord, speak to them, O King of Glory. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So, today's title is Mistaken Identity. So, when I speak about mistaken identity, what do you think about? It's a rhetorical question. Just speak internal. Okay. <laughs> Most of the time when you think about mistaken identity, we think about somebody who stole your identity. Somebody whose identity was stolen or something that, somebody who was implicating themselves to be somebody different, right? Okay, three of you. Okay, remember, there are people who steal and there are people who are stolen. So you think about the people who have stolen the identity or something like that, right? But most of the time, well, for me, the thing that I don't think about is, what about when I look at somebody and I think of, something that they are now. What about when I look at God and I put a label on God and I try to say, God, you are like this. Come on. In that mistaken identity. Yeah. Right? But most of the time, our hearts are going to tell us that, hey, it's only me. People are looking at me and telling me. And sometimes it's correct. I, I, I've had conversations with people where somebody says something and I'm like, bro, don't you know me? Like, why would you say something like that? Yeah. Right? And so it's easy for us to point fingers. It's easy for us to be hurt. But what happens when we walk in and we become that person that's mistaking the other person? Yeah. So as we go through uh, the sermon today, I hope that in the process of us looking, we can look at ourselves, how we identify even ourselves. Sometimes we call ourselves things that we are not. In that mistaken identity as well? Because yeah. when I check the Bible, it says, I am, I am who God has called me to be. He says all these amazing things that he's spoken about me, right? But then I also try to tell myself, I'm a failure or I'm this and I'm this. Well, God is telling me that this is who I created you to be. So in that mistaken identity? Yeah. Okay, 15 of you. In that mistaken identity? Yeah. Okay, we're going to interact, y'all. Okay. So let's read Acts 16, 11, 15. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight uh, course of, uh, to Sumatra, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to, Phil, uh, to Philippi, with the, up, with the foremost city in the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we are staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city in the riverside, where prayer was customary made. 
we sat down and spoke to a woman who we met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia had us. She was a seller of purple from the city of that name, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart, and he and the, the Lord opened her heart to hear the things spoken by Paul. And when we and when she was and 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 when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, "If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay." So she persuaded us. So we see Paul, Silas, and Luke. They have been led to this city, uh, the Philippi. They have been led over there by the Spirit. And I think uh, Pastor Christo, the last Wednesday, somebody has preached about how they were supposed to go to a different place by end up going to this one city because the Holy Spirit was leading them right. So they stayed there for a few days. But then, on Sunday, the Sabbath day, they went looking for a place to worship. Customary, if you look at this, most of the time they'll go to a synagogue. But on this day, they didn't go to a synagogue because they could not find one. So what they did is they went to a place. If there wasn't a synagogue, these women had gone somewhere close to where they were trading, which means they are continuing with the businesses of the world, but at the same time, they are worshiping God there. So they said, okay, we're going to do that. Let's go ahead and, and do that. So when they went over there, they met this lady, these women who are selling stuff and who are doing stuff. And then they, they met this one lady called Lydia. The Bible says that she listened to them and was baptized uh, as well as her, uh, her household. But what's the most interesting part is, uh, if you read essays, uh, there was a lady who worshipped God. Catch that. There was a lady who worshipped God. But then, when she listened to them, she was converted. So she worshipped God, but she did not know God. She did not have a relationship with God. Because if she worshipped God because of what God had done in her life, then she didn't need to be baptized. Right? She didn't need her her whole family to be baptized. But then if you look at it, you see, when you look at the custom of uh, the synagogue, I, I was looking at that and it says, there had to be, so if they couldn't find 10 men in a city, if they found 10 men, those 10 men would go and make a synagogue. So they could start a church, pretty much. Right? But if there were no 10 men in that, in that city who were wanting to worship God, then there would, not be a, there would never be a church. And so that's what we are seeing here, right here, where we have, we have not enough men. This city, by the way, they are trading. That means that it's one of those cities where it was very, there was a lot of business going on there. It was a prosperous city. It was New York, if you want to call it that. Everybody came over there. Everybody was happy. When you look from the outside, you could think that everybody had it going on. But there was something that was missing. God was missing there. The church was missing there. That even the ladies who are worshipping God, they did not really have a relationship with God. So my first point is this. Where can I find ten men? They went to a place where prayer was customary made. That's verse 13 it says. And when you think about the customary custom, uh, customary made, that means that it's just a usual practice. They just came to church. They did what they did, and then occasionally on Sunday they'll go to church. <coughs> and I wonder if in our lives there comes a time when church becomes something that we just do. Not for you guys. You guys are Wednesday people, so you know church is matters for you, right? <laughs> but 
I wonder if there's a time when we get so used to what God is doing in our life that it becomes just a normal thing. And so even Sunday is, or Sunday or Wednesday is just something that we get just to do. But God is not looking for that. God is not looking for a partiality because if it was me, what I would say is, hey, you know what? I have five people. I have five men. I want to start a church. Right? But God says, no, I don't want partiality. If God has said that the number is 10, he wanted to be 10. And so when I look at my life, where am I giving God a nine and a half, thinking that he is going to do what he says he's going to do? But you see, that God draws a line and says, it does not matter what you do. It does not matter whether you give 9.75. I am God and I've said, I need a 10 from you. So when we give God 9.75 and you are living 2.5, God is saying, this is good, you can worship me, but you're never going to have a relationship with me, and I can never start a church, I can never build a church on you. Yeah. I wonder if we can look at our life and realize where, where we are giving, we are, we are showing God the, t- the time for that. Because you think about it, this city had a lot of things going on. It had, it was, like I said, they, there was loyalty. It was one of the most traded cities. People came by, they did all these amazing things, right? But there was no God wasn't there at all. At all. And he wouldn't he wouldn't bless these people because all they thought it was because of the material stuff. Right? And uh, I think it was Pastor, I don't know who preached and said, success is not an indication of what uh, that you are in the will of God. Yeah. Because yeah. we're in a generation where we look at successful things, we look at amazing things, and we think, oh, you are so blessed. Oh, this has gone on. And on top of that, this city, this city being so prosperous, for a synagogue, the work of a synagogue was, not only did people worship God there, but at the same time, that's where they taught the word of God. That's where they, 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 they were able to teach the kids the ways of God. So by them only providing the material stuff and not providing the what God has called them, the ten men, if you want to call that, they are not only robbing the next generation, they're not only robbing themselves, but they're robbing the next generation as well. See, there's one thing that even I tell our girls, we tell them that everything that you do affects everybody else. It doesn't matter what it is. Every little thing you do, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it, don't, it doesn't just affect you. It affects a generation. Because sometimes I think we're in the generation where we just think about ourselves all the time. And we think, oh, I'm just going to do this. But guess what? By you doing that, if you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to another thing. And maybe saying no to that other thing is supposed to bless somebody, but then you just took that blessing from them. Yeah. Or you refuse to teach them what God, how God has put in your heart. So this evening I'm asking you, are you giving God your 10? Because yeah. see, the thing is, when we think about mistaken identity, we, we identify, most of the time we identify something, somewhere, someone, in a certain way, then we figure out that that's who they are. But check about check this out. From a distance, when Paul looked at Lydia and those ladies, they were worshiping, right? But then as she, he came closer to them and started talking to them. He realized that they were not worshiping God. So it is so easy for us to look very good from afar, yes. to look at all the things that we are doing, to to. Fool other people and tell them, hey, look, I'm here. I'm doing this. But when we get close to God or when people come close to us, they look at the fruits and the fruits are look very different. Mm-hmm. 
See, that's why most of the time people are putting fences around themselves. They want people at arm length because if you come any close, you can smell the stench that's coming from the hidden sin. That's good. Because if you come close to me, if I get to know your life, if I get to know how you carry yourself, if I get to know how you, how you treat your spouse, if I get to know the way you talk at work, if I come close to you, then all those things, those things that you do when you're not here, they get exposed. Come on. And so it's so easy for us to just walk in in that, hid, in that hidden identity because it's easy for us to keep you at arm length. But see, if you keep other people at arm length, there's no way God is going to be because you're going to be keeping God away as well. Yeah, that's true. Paul, from afar, the city looks desirable place. Uh, the color purple was so to loyalty. And that's what Lydia was telling you. Yet Paul and the crew could not find a place to offer their prayers. I'm asking today, where can I find 10 men? Where can I find 10 men who are willing to break free of trying to display a certain image on either Facebook, Twitter, church, home, workplace, and just come out and say, hey, we want to worship God, and we really want to change the generation that we have? Where can I find those 10 men or 10 ladies? Men, meaning men and women, right? See our work? Our work is not is for God and it's not just for us. We are just accord with to Father His kingdom. But until we ignore the shiny things around us and stop chasing those things that Solomon said they were vanity, 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 a great generation will be lost in our account. Yeah. Think about that. That city is trafficked by a lot of people. Trades, people coming from all directions. Yet they couldn't find a place where there was a church. All those people came in, they could have been affected if the church was there. But these people are so concerned with their day-to-day things. And we talk about, like, in our generation, the busyness. And I fall prey of that. I'm not immune. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, man, where did the week go? And and it's so easy because the devil takes that and and uses against us. Then we can't really step out and do, take a minute to to, to comfort a brother. Take a minute to encourage somebody. Take a minute to listen to somebody. Right? Imagine that. We are, we are like, okay, Lord, I submit myself to you Sunday and Sunday and uh, well, half Sunday and then a little bit of Wednesday. But the rest of the week, I'm going to do all my trades that I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and trust me, this is not just for, this for me as well. You know, as I look at this message, I'm thinking, man, there's some things that I need to do. Am I really standing here and saying I'm giving God 10? Yeah. Can you really go home and say, Lord, I am giving you 10? See, when I think about the ten, the ten, uh, the ten men, I look about the story of Sodom. So, if you look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, so Abraham was pleading to God. He says, "Don't, don't destroy them. Don't destroy them." And, and we can look at the story in Genesis eighteen twenty-two, twenty-six. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the... He's talking to God. Would you also destroy the righteous with, with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to save the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be, should be as wicked. 
far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do the right? So Abraham is telling God, he's like, man, you are righteous, you are God. Far be it from you from destroying the wicked people if there's 50 or 50 people who are better, right? Who are good. But what does Jesus say? What does God say? So the Lord says, if I find Sodom fifty righteous within the if I find Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I'll spare all the place for their sake. We know the story. <laughs> he looked for fifty. He looked for forty. He looked for thirty. He looked for twenty. He looked for ten. And again, remember, ten is a synagogue. God wanna build his church, and he couldn't find ten. He didn't, I always ask myself, God, why, why didn't you go to nine? But I, as I was reading this text, God is saying, no, because I need that perfect ten to build my church. Yeah. And I'm thinking in my life, God, when have you come trying to do something in my life? But then you are saying, okay, Kevin, if your heart was like this, if your heart was at 50, I'm going to do something. I'm like, Lord, okay, maybe 40, maybe 30, maybe 20. And now I'm like, God, 10. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that because I find nine in your heart. See, God is not looking for a temporary place in our heart. Because these people, the nine creates just a place where they can go from one place to another. They can go worship God at the marketplace. They can go worship God at their home. They can do all that stuff. That's the nine, right? But the ten is a place that is built for God. And God is saying, I am not interested with partiality. I am not interested with you giving me even a little bit of enough. I need all of you, a hundred percent of you. Come on. On a scale of one to ten, just for the record, I'm not talking about ten percent. I'm talking about on a scale of one to ten, ten be the most then he wants a 10. Right? My other point is this. Are you listening? Verse 14. Now a certain woman called Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of that one who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart and hid the start being spoken by Paul. So the Bible says that Lydia heard them speak, and at that point, her heart was transformed. You know, I'm looking at this, and I'm just wondering, okay, they, they are worshiping there. There's a lot of people who are worshiping there. There's women who are worshiping there. I bet you Paul wasn't the first, well, Paul and them were not the first people that went there. I bet you, think about it. It's a place where they worship. There's a lot of people that come in and speak the word of God and all that stuff, right? Lydia probably, well, that wasn't her first time being there. She's probably gone there so many times. She worshipped God. The Bible says she was a worshipper, right? And maybe she had gone there for as long as, let's say, whatever, 10 years, 15 years. But then there came a moment. A moment when she listened. There came a moment. The Bible says, the Bible doesn't waste words. It says, there came a time when she listened. And when she listened, she was changed. So we can be in a worship place. We can come to church every time. We can hear people talk. We can listen to preachers on TV. We can, we can listen to other people. People can point to our lives. But the moment we, we do not, we don't want to listen, 
we are never going to be changed. It does no matter how long you come. It does no matter how long people try to point your life. There got to be a moment when you have to decide, am I going to listen or am I not going to listen? Because listening is going to make the difference. Yeah. It's going to de- it's going to determine whether you're going to be changed or if you're not going to be changed. I love the fact that she says that she got converted. She got converted and her life changed. And I look at our Revelation 3, 14, 19, and the angel of the church or audition writes, these things say they are, these things say the amen. The faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm or neither, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And do and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to to um I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you that you may be clothed at the clothed at the same at the shame of wicked nakedness may not be revealed and nighted you in the eyes. That verse 17 it says, Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have known I have need of nothing. And you're not just talking about money. Let's look at our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. We get to a point where this church is being told you become you come to a point where you think you have wealth. Lydia thought she was a worshiper. She thought she was doing the right thing by worshiping God every single day with the other women. But the minute she listened, she realized that she needed something. And there is not nothing as bad as thinking that. And the, the, the church was told you become wealthy and have need of nothing. Are you listening? Or are we telling ourselves that we are okay and we have no need of anything? Are we listening? Are we listening to this? Are we listening to the preaching? Are we listening to what God is speaking in our life? And saying, I know you think you got it. And trust me, this is for me as well. Are we listening and saying, hey, I think I don't need anything. But if we allow God to search our heart. When we listen, we can hear Paul say, dude, there is a lot that you don't know yet. Come on. Are you listening today? Are you listening every single day? See, Luke 13, 6, they say, he has spoken this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in the vineyard, and he came seeking fruits on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it uh, use up the ground? But he answered and said, Sir, let alone this year and also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you cut it. I feel like we can identify with that. Because there's a few things in there. I could preach a whole sermon on that, but I'm going to just give you both advice. One, the fig tree, like three years, God has been patient. Three years. Saying, ah, three years is a long time, right? Three years is a long time. God is saying, they're coming back, back and forth, looking at my heart and saying, can I see any fruit for three years? And then it's like, okay, we're going to get rid of this right now. But then it's like, I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to fertilize it, right? I'm going to look at my life. I'm like, Lord, how, 
is there an area in my life that you come and for three years you are searching and searching and searching and want to see some fruit? But then, now it has come a time when you're like, well, there's no bearing fruit there. But Jesus comes and says, I poured my blood for these people. Let's, let's give them a little bit for longer. See, this is what I think. If you're going to identify as a mango tree, you better produce some mangoes. <laughs> and if not, you're going to cut it up. Because that's the point. Mistaken identity. We identify ourselves as Christian as a mango tree, but then the fruits are not mango. Right? So if I can identify myself as a Christian, then I better bear some mango. Right? But I cannot identify myself as a mango tree and then six months later over here, I'm a lemon. Right? Right? But think about it. In that what we see, where we say, I'm a Christian and I, I serve God and I love this and I do all these things. Yes, the fruits that are coming from you, they, they look like mango, yeah, but when you taste them, then they, they are just a different taste altogether. Yeah. That when you shine that mango on the light, you realize, dude, I'm holding a big old melon. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. But that's what that Bible says. It's like we cannot identify ourselves. I would rather honestly identify yourself or identify myself as a lemon. I know that I'm going to produce lemon because what that does, it allows me to know that I am wrong and I need change and I need help. But when you identify yourself as a mango, then we are like, well, you're a mango. You're going to be okay. And then continue being a mango. But then at the end, you produce something different. But if you say, I'm a lemon man and I want to struggle, I want to be a mango, then we can tell God to go in there and pluck out those seeds. Search my heart, God, and review those things. Yeah. Re- remove those anxious thoughts and anxious things in me. So, Java God, you can provide something that's better and plant a different seed. See, we cannot identify ourselves as mango just to fit in, to look like other mango trees. We cannot identify ourselves as a mango tree. Just to fit in to look like other mango trees. A time will come when you'll be exposed by the fruits you bear. Yeah. My third point is this. Do you know him? I think the biggest thing about this city itself and the people who are worshipping is because they did not even know God. I think they are missing the knowledge of God. And the Bible says that the lack of knowledge, it's, it's, it's devastating, yeah. right? See, it's easy to go through the motion and not to stop and think that the Almighty God is the owner of everything. And guess what? Even the stuff that they are selling, God is the one that created them. So they have something that reminds them if they, are with, they listen and allow themselves to be there. They have something that tells them, hey, whatever I'm holding, it's God who made it. Right? We talk, we talk to our girls every day and we tell them, as you walk around, see God in everything. Try to look, try to look, you know, try to look at the flowers, look at the birds, look at the kids who are next to you. Know that God created those. Because if we are aware that everything we have, we can never elevate those things above God. Right? Because we realize we can never be like these ladies or the men in that city who are not worshipping God because they are so busy doing trade. Because they know that God is the one who does that. If we truly knew him, we would see him different. would love him differently. And would worship him in awe. 
See, Romans 12, 2, it says, And do not be confirmed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. If we knew God would know his will, and if you knew his will, then you would be in his will. <laughs> right? Mind blowing. Right? Because that's the thing. Like I think the biggest mystery, even as we pray and as we go throughout our week, we are praying to God. Is like, God, let me be in your will so then I don't make a mistake or go off your will, right? There are decisions that we make. And like my wife and I, we are making a decision this week. And we have to ask God, like, God, is this your will? You're fasting and praying because you don't want to get out of his will. And I'm like, God, I am not very smart. Can you just write it on the wall for me? (laughs) Can I open the book and the Bible and flash it for like a minute? No. Oh, yes. Yeah. Red with no. Oh, yes with green, right? Right? But that's how, if I had his, and honestly, that's God, he answered us. Because what happened with that is, if you truly, truly, truly seek God, that you tell him his will, like, I'm not asking you for your will because I've already made up my mind and I want you to bend your will to be my will. When you tell him that, Lord, I just want to worship you and I just want to do what's right in front of you and I just always want to please you and never want to divert from what you called me, he's a dad. He's going to tell you, right? So I look at that and I'm like, that's, that's what's missing in this city because as these people worship, they do not really know God. See, the thing is, we form an idea of who God is. We think that we can build our own ways and we can build our own castle and then sprinkle a little bit of Jesus. So Jesus, what I'm going to do today, I'm going to go to this place, right? You know that place, right? The place you said I shouldn't go. Well, I'm going to go there, but I'm not going to go straight there, Lord. I'm going to go a little bit this way and I'm going to minister to a sister or brother. And then I'm going to keep going. I'll have, you know, a little Bible study here, Lord. But I'm going to add up here, Lord. And because of all that good things you've done, Lord, then hmm, you're going to be okay with that. God does not take 9.75%. He's not. He's not going to take 9.75. He wants the whole 10. He wants the whole obedience. He wants everything. Right? Five of you. Awesome. (laughs) See what I love about Acts 10.34. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Oh, are true they perceive. Listen to that part. It was like mind-blowing for Peter. Oh, are true they perceive. I now understand. Right? He says that God has is no respect of persons. He says, I understand now that God is not a respecter of person. So I'm not gonna try to make a, a a thing and then try to bring God for because he does not respect me. He does he doesn't do in other words, he doesn't do things to please me. He's a creator. I am not the creator. That's right. right? And if we have that reverence of God is the creator and he does not, he does not conform to our ways, but we conform to his way. Guess what? We will be in his will. Because before we do anything, we know that he who created, he who did everything, he either orders our steps or he doesn't order our steps at all. Deuteronomy 10, 17, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, no takes bribes. 
Have we ever felt sometimes like we are braving God? I know I've been there before, yeah. right? God, if you excuse me, God, if you do this, then I'm gonna do this. Yeah. But God, you know, I did this last week, right? Then that brother, that brother had issues. God, three hours sitting down with them and talking to them, Lord. Oof, that was a lot, right? So, Lord, why, why don't you just give me a little bit grace because I did that? Are you trying to break God? <coughs> Right? Lord, I came here, yes, it's a marketplace, but in the process of me selling all these things that we are selling and doing all this stuff, we're going to take a minute over here and just worship you, Lord. Right? We are not even going to, we're not even going to have persuade our men. By the way, wives, you're strong, you can do that. So, I'm not gonna, we're not going to persuade our men to go and have 10 men who come together and build a church so we can worship you on a certain day when we're supposed to leave everything else and just go worship. What we're going to do, God, is because we, we're going to identify ourselves as people who are worshipping. So what we're going to do is we're going to go trade the day. We'll leave our stuff everywhere. But then in the middle, middle of it, like lunch break, we're going to go a little bit and worship for a minute. And now what this, the, the, the ladies are doing? They are worshipping yet. They are doing their trade and stuff. Yeah. But more so, is there part in our lives that we do that? I find myself doing that sometimes too. Where during the day I'm walking and I'm like, Lord, I have A, B, C, D, E, M, Z, K. But Lord, let me say a quick prayer while I'm driving. Let me put on a someone. Maybe that would, that, would, that would check the box. And Lord, I'm so tired. Let me cut my shoe. And before that shoe is done, Lord, I will go and pray a little bit. Our oh, God is not a God of partiality. Oh. We have to realize that our God is he's, he's above all. We have to have a referential, referential fear of the Lord. You know, I'm not going to go into it, but Isaiah 20, 1 to, 1 to 6. So Isaiah, that's your homework. Write it down. Isaiah 20, 1 to 6. Okay? Homework? Seven of you? Okay. At least you didn't lie. That's good. Um, so Isaiah... Um, 21.6. So, Isaiah is being given a message to, uh, for Judea. So, he stood for Judah because Judah has been so rebellious. They have been so rebellious and God is like, I'm going to punish you. Right? So, he's given, he's told that I want you to carry a message. And the message he was told was, I need you to strip down to your inner clothes and for the next three years, I need you to walk around proclaiming that this is what God is going to do because what has happened is you've taken pride in the things that you clothe. You've taken pride in the things that you wear. You've taken pride with all the things that are surrounding you. So what I'm going to do is I am going to have Isaiah mark you. Isaiah is walking with God. There's nothing wrong with him at all. He's, he's faithful, right? But he, God tells him you're going to do this for three years. And as I was reading that, I was like, almost fell on my knees and worshipped God. I'm like, but God, there's nothing Isaiah has done. These are the people that have rebelled. But God is like, you know what? I created him. I get to choose what he does. I created him. I get to choose what he does. And if you read uh, Ezekiel 24, 13 to 19, oh, um, Sorry, so, so Isaiah was actually declaring to, uh, to Egypt and Ethiopia. 
because they they uh, they, they love that. When you when you when you read Ezekiel 24 uh, 13 19, it's the same thing. Ezekiel is told because these people have loved the pride of their eyes. They have loved the pride of their eyes. They like to be glamorous. They like all these amazing things. They love all these things. What I'm going to do is, tomorrow and during the day, during tomorrow midday, your wife, who is the apple of your eye, is going to die. And that will be a message to them that that's exactly what I'm going to do to them. Talk about the fear of the Lord. Ezekiel was a prophet who followed God and did everything in the right way of God. Yet God says to him, I've given you a beautiful wife and I've done all these amazing things for you, but I need your wife now because I am God. And I will sacrifice one so then that way a generation doesn't get lost. And so I read that and I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, why am I walking around trying to make you do things and trying to force your hand to be to, to give you this false identity of who you are? Well, you're saying even a person who's a hundred percent following you, doing all the amazing things, you still can take what they have and do what you need to do with it because you are God and I'm not. That's right. I love my wife. But if God came and God pretty much God was showing me, I can come and say, you know what, Eva, today, tomorrow, Eva is gonna be gone because she has served her purpose up to this point to make a point. And I do not have a right to say, God, why? Because when she was born, I was when she was born, I wasn't there. And she was growing up, I wasn't there. I didn't raise her, I didn't give her bread, I didn't give anything of that, right? So she is God's property. Right? So God has a right to do what she needs to do. And that's an extreme, I know, but that's our God. Because the thing is, nowadays we've taken God to be this person that we can manipulate and do all these crazy things that we want to do. We want to take God and identify Him something different. But God is supreme and He says that He does. And when He says that I am God and I'm going to do this, He does not change His mind. He actually goes and tells Ezekiel, He says, I do not even want you to mourn in public. I need you to be quiet because I want to, I want to I want to I want to make a statement with this. Oh. That's the God we serve. Yet that's the God we are playing around with. Come on. Yeah. That's the God that, that we want to fit in in our own other things that we've done everything else. Yeah. It makes you fall on your knees and worship. Yeah. It makes you fall on your knees and worship. But the beautiful thing, like the song we say, I called and you came and rescued me. Yes. Yet that's a God who's willing to rescue you. Yeah. He's willing to use his son in order for him to rescue you. He's willing to use Ezekiel's wife in order to save Judah. Right. So tonight, today, as you walk around, think about it. Have you given God a different identity than who he is? Have you called yourself something that you're not? Have you lifted yourself above God? Have you put yourself on a pedestal and now you want God to approve where you are? 
Is there somebody you are looking and giving them a different identity? Is instead of looking at yourself, Andre, I am, am I, I see, and I tell people that I'm a mango, am I really bearing mango fruits? Let's not stand up. I know this is not a good few message. But if you love God and you want to know the will of God, this message should go into, should go into your bones. Because that's what it, when I read those two verses, that's what it does. What it did for me. I knelt before God and I was like, God, who am I that I've been trying to put myself in a place that I'm not supposed to be? Who am I that when I look at you, God, I look at you as a different person than who you really are? And that's why it's, the Bible says that when you go to heaven, the angels are going holy, 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 holy. Because they understand who God is. Yet in our lives, we are going in different ways. Making our worldly things better every single day, but forgetting who God is. As I pray, I want you to pray for yourself too as well. I want you to speak to God and ask Him, Lord, where am I giving you nine points? Where am I giving you two instead of ten? Where am I giving you less than you require, God? Because I know you created me for a reason, God. I know that the things you've spoken, the things you've spoken, they will become true. Those were two people that did not sin, yet God saved and they had to do it. What about us who've been given a chance over and over and over again? What about us that Jesus, that Jesus came down and died for us? He died for us. And when God says that, guess what? On that day, I will look at you and say, depart from me, I did not know you. He means that he will do it. Because the God of Genesis is the God of Revelation. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we honor you tonight, God. Lord, we are so sorry, Father. We are so sorry for the things that we've made it to be that are not, oh God. But Jehovah God, we've elevated ourselves in our own things, O King of Glory, above you, O King of Glory, And we say tonight that we are sorry, Father. We are coming back to the heart of worship, O God. That Jehovah God, you may search our hearts, every single one of us, O King of Glory, God, and bring us to our knees where we belong, O King of Glory, Jesus. Father, we know that you are not a God of partiality, O King of Glory, God. And tonight, Father, we cannot, pro- we cannot claim ignorance because we've heard from you, God. We can't say that we do not know. We can't say that you haven't told us, O God. You laid it clear to us, God, that you are God and we are not. So, mighty King of Glory, I'm asking you, God, that you may be us each other in us from heart, myself included, oh God. That you may break us down, O King of Glory, and give us according to what you first called us to be, Lord. That Jehovah God, Father, those mistaken identities in our life, oh God, that we may get rid of those in the precious name of Jesus, God. I'm praying for that person, O King of Glory, Father, that has departed from you, Lord. That person who's made it about themselves, oh God. That person, Jehovah God, who used to know you, Father, but they do not know you now because, Lord, they've allowed themselves to go away from you. I'm praying, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, God, that you will turn their heart right now in the precious name of Jesus, God. I'm praying, Jehovah God, for those people who come to the 
Amen.